Welcome to the FemiPod. These are conversations about females for everyone to listen to, learn from and engage with. Brought to you by your Femi founders, Esther Kewen and myself, Lydia O'Donnell. Welcome back to the Femi Pod. This is episode 67 and this week we are excited to fill you in on our plans, our run plans and what we've been up to. And then we're going to deep dive into tips and tricks on how to be a better runner. No matter what level you are at with your running, if you're a beginner or you're a long timer, we believe our advice as coaches and as athletes will help you to improve where you're at. Of course, I have with me my bestie, SDS. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, feeling good. Really enjoying autumn weather. I was saying this morning, yeah, I think I'm an autumn, spring human being and summer is too much for me. So just for running, it's so nice. Um, Yeah, doing really well. Been training well. I did my biggest week ever since COVID in March 2022. So it's been like well over a year now and I finally got over 100Ks again. Um, Yeah, I feel like it's been something I've been working towards for a while and yeah, just feel like kept having little things come in the way, sickness and illness and that sort of thing. So I'm just excited to get consistency and like hopefully get back to where I was uh, before I got sick. Because I think probably, you know, the fittest I'd been that year before 2021 and in the start of 2022. So yeah, I'm really, really excited and ready to get into things. I have decided to race a 10K this weekend. So I'm just not really tapering. I'm just going to do it for fun. So it's called We Run the Night in Tauranga and it's at 6 p.m., which is rough because I like running in the morning. So I'll have to be jazzed up on some caffeine, I think. And then uh, I'm doing the Ultimate Athlete the following week, which I talked about um, previously, and then a 10K in Rotorua in New Zealand. So I'm going to do that in May, on May the 6th and hang out with some of the Bay's babes again, catch up with them, which will be awesome. And then, yeah, I think I will have my head down and work towards Melbourne Half Marathon. I really want to do the half at Melbourne Marathon. Um, and then definitely some races in between, some fives and 10Ks and that sort of thing. So, yeah, look, it's training's looking up. I've been consistent with the gym. I've been going two times a week. I'm very proud of myself for that. And, yeah, I'm feeling good. I think I need a massage. I've actually booked in next week on Monday, which I'm really excited about because my body is quite sore. So yeah, that's the update with me. Uh, how are you, Liz? How's running? How's training? How's life? It's good. How exciting. I wish I was over there this weekend to watch you run the 10K. I feel like running at nighttime, although waiting around all day can be hard. It's actually so fun in the dark. I feel like you run, well, it feels like you're running like twice as fast when it's dark. So whether you actually are or not, don't know, but um, it does feel pretty fun to run in the dark with the lights around you. I talked about this this morning. I feel like someone should study this psychology wise. Cause I was like, I always feel faster when it's dark in the morning or when it's dark at night. I don't know why. Maybe it's your shadow. Like, I don't know. It's like, I think you're so used to seeing everything around you and your surroundings. You get used to seeing like kind of that pace of things moving past you. But when it's dark, you can't see those things moving past you. So you're probably a lot more just like seeing what's directly in front of you and that's moving quicker than your surroundings. So maybe that's why, I don't know, but it is fun. So I wish I was there to do it with you. Oh, and you've also been boosting around in your Jaguar. I don't know if we've talked about the Jag on the pod much, but Esther's driving a bright blue Jag at the moment, which is pretty cool. 
Yes, yes. I'll quickly touch on how cool it is. It's like fully electric. It's called the iPace from Jaguar. And we we luckily won that grant called She Sets the Pace grant. I don't even know if we've talked about that, but we won some money and we also won a Jaguar for three months. So uh, lucky for me, Liz lives over in Australia. So I get the joy of driving the Jag, but she's coming over um, towards the end of April. So she'll get to drive the Jag around then, which is cool. But yeah, it's just so nice. Like I was on the motorway the other day and I was like, I'm just going to see how fast this thing goes. And it literally went from like whatever I was going, like I was just getting on like 70 Ks or something. First, it's straight up well over hundred in like less than a second. I was like, holy crap, this thing is incredible. It's really fast. Um, yeah, all electric and very, very, very fancy. Like the doors go in when you park it. So you lock it and the doors disappear into the car. And then when you unlock it, the, the doors come out. And then when you drive off in the car, the doors lock themselves and lock in. And I think it's like maybe a security thing, but I always feel like really cool when the doors lock in. And then another real buzzy thing is the light at night. So there's this light that shines out the side. So when you unlock the car, this light projects and it's a circle in front of the driver's door and it says Jaguar Fu middle and it's just so bougie and so extra. Uh, so yeah, really enjoying driving it. Not going to want to give it back. So Jag, let Femi have it forever. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. I'm very excited to get over there and drive it. I know James is pretty pumped to get in it as well. <laughs> Boost around Auckland. Yeah, so I have been good too. Yeah, training's going really well. I am just enjoying logging the Ks at the moment. You know, as per usual, some days go really well and some days don't. And that's just the life of being an athlete. And no matter what level of athlete you are, like that's totally normal that things don't always feel great. But I definitely feel like I'm making progress, which is nice. So I'm trying to just get my Ks back up. I'm doing long runs every weekend from like two to two and a half hours. And feeling pretty good in those. I'm floating the idea of running the Noosa half or full marathon in May, the back end of May. So it's probably about six or seven weeks away now, but I can't decide which distance to do. So maybe the listeners can decide for me. Maybe if you want to let me know which distance I should pick. I haven't run a marathon in like a year and a half. And so the distance kind of scares me, but also running in my hometown in Noosa now and like being here and the weather will be really nice and it's a really flat course but not having expectations of like running a pb because i don't think i'll be in that sort of form it does excite me to just go out there and have a good time so maybe i'll do the marathon but mm, the half might be smarter don't know let me know what you think um but i think beyond that i am looking at running a probably a more serious marathon to train towards later in the year whether that be maybe sydney or melbourne or chicago even i think chicago's definitely been on the bucket list for a long time so i'd love to work towards that but at the moment i'm just kind of ticking along with the k's i think my mileage is sitting around 125 130k a week for me which is probably still a little bit lower than where I'd like to be, but I'm getting back there much like Esther. It's been a struggle over the last 12 months with sickness and COVID and whatnot, but um, getting back into some form of like mileage and shape is really exciting. So it's nice to feel good. And, you know, it's so incredible feeling the progress. I think we've talked about this before, but when you're at that really high end of running and really competitive end, running PBs or making progress in your training or in your in your times and races is really hard and it doesn't really happen that often because you've always kind of got that base level of fitness and 
you're constantly training. So you, it is really hard to see, you know, a difference in pace. But when you've either been injured or you've been sick or you're a beginner and you're starting your journey again, you see progress quite quickly. And that's so encouraging. And I think for me, being able to see that progress, whether it's in my weekly mileage or my pace or how I feel after sessions and how I'm pulling up, like that motivates me so much. So it's a good spot to be. I think I definitely struggled a lot when I wasn't able to train properly and battling sickness. But um, yeah, I think maybe it happened for a reason. And now I'm like able to reap the reward of feeling good and, and getting back there. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's really tough not seeing progress when you're, you are at that elite level. And obviously, you know, you're training so hard and you might take a second off or 10 seconds off, but yeah, at the moment we're probably both taking pretty big jumps in our training every now and then, like you said, we always have the bad days too, but it's, it is fun. It's like you think about how much effort you're putting into this comeback and it, it makes me proud of myself and you as well makes me proud of you that we've like persevered through this last 12 months of absolute crap and we're finally you know in good places where we're consistently training and it it is exciting and I can't wait to see you crush 2023. You too and so today after all that we really wanted to chat through some tips and tricks from ourselves and our own experiences as both coaches and athletes around how we can all be better runners. And this is also really good for ourselves to kind of remind ourselves, like what should we be focusing on to continue to make that progress in a really sustainable way and in a way that we can actually enjoy the process and not kind of be forced into a place where we're just trying to get fitter and quicker and, you know, sacrificing our health and happiness to get there. And so um, we've got five, five tips we want to talk you through. And hopefully you can all walk away from this podcast being inspired and motivated in your own running journeys to continue to make progress. And when we say progress, you know, for Esther and I, we're obviously focused very much on like getting fitter and getting quicker and reaching PBs. But progress to you might not look like that. Progress to you might just look like I just want to get up and go for a run two or three times a week and get that consistency. And that is progress in itself. Progress might be just setting a distance. You might currently be running 3K and you want to get up to 10K and that's progress. It doesn't matter how fast you do it. So don't necessarily focus on progress always being about getting faster because when you're a runner, it shouldn't always be about getting faster. There's so many benefits that come from being a runner that isn't just about time and speed you know the mental health benefits you get the the purpose that running can give you the clarity when you're out on a run the mindfulness there's so many other things that come from running beyond just like being fast um so really like think about your running journey and what you want to get out of running and why you run essentially like really focus on that and then you're able kind of to take these tips and tricks and hopefully um, relate them to your journey where you're at. So the first one is about being patient and something I definitely have struggled with in the past. I'm not a very patient person, but I think through running in my journey, especially over the last 12 months or so, I've learned to be a lot more patient. You know, when it comes to running, it's a very high impact sport. Your body is being put under a lot of impact every time you take a step And it takes time for your body to get conditioned to that impact. And what we see a lot as coaches is people trying to get into runners, especially when they've never run before and they go out and they kind of have this idea that they've got to go and run like 5Ks or 10Ks or whatever that might be. 
and they just like throw themselves in the deep end and eventually either hate it, hate it because it's painful, maybe get injured, um, sacrifice their bodies because they feel like they just have to be running these stupid distances and not give themselves the time to build up to it. So the more patient you can be, the slower you build into your running, whether you're a beginner getting to 5K or you're a 10K running up, getting up to a half marathon or a half marathon getting up to a marathoner, be patient with that progress because the slower you do it, the more sustainable it will be. And our goal at FEMI is to build athletes to enjoy running and do it for the rest of their lives, not just to do a 12-week marathon program, smash themselves and never want to run again. So be patient with yourself and you know that reward will come over time and the longer you wait, the more rewarding it's going to be. Yeah, so true. It's like running and endurance sports, the only way you get better and see progress is consistency over time. And like, I think people forget that factor and they want quick results with running, but it is a long game. Like you have to look at it, you have to look at it well into the future and, you know, I know for myself personally, the times that I've got injured or dug myself a hole is because I haven't been listening to my body. I've been impatient and I've been wanting to run certain distance that day or a certain amount of Ks that week. So like I think back to this one run where I, when I lived in Sydney and I knew my body was naked, I was like, I had to do a two hour run that day, just huge run. And I started and I was like, oh, I feel really tired. And I was like, nah, I want to run over a hundred Ks this week. If I don't do that, I'm not going to get to that distance. Um, and so I pushed through the whole two hour run and I pulled my glute med and I couldn't run properly for like four weeks. I was running like way less mileage doing um, every second day. Cause it wasn't a full pull, but it was pretty sore. So I was still able to train, but like, if I'd literally just been like, okay, actually I'm going to be patient with my body here. I'm going to give myself another day's rest um, and then maybe try run, I don't know, like an hour or an hour and a half or something. I probably would have been sweet and I would have been fine and I would have been able to keep training. So like listening to your body and like being patient with yourself is so important. And I think Lids and I have been lucky with the last 12 months that we've been through because it's given us more of a um, holistic view, even more holistic than potentially before of ourselves and just like, understanding that things don't get fixed overnight and like we have to be patient with our bodies to actually you know prevent injury and allow us to continue training so you know taking an extra day off or if you start to feel a niggle taking the rest of the week off is so much better than pushing through and sustaining a long-term injury that then takes you out for four weeks rather than having four days off so yeah that's something that we've probably both learned over time and over experience but yeah, you don't get anywhere by taking shortcuts and pushing through pain and, and ignoring your body signals. They're there for a reason. You just take those extra days off and, and be patient with your body. Yeah, and I hate that saying so much around like no pain, no gain. Like I think people have this idea that you have to be in the hurt locker all of the time to get progress. And that is not true at all. And, you know, for people who want to get into running and then they kind of throw themselves into training really hard and, you know, doing four or five or even six runs a week, it's just not sustainable. They're eventually going to burn out and then they just won't run ever again. And so 
especially for a beginner runner, like start off by doing one or two runs a week and then increase that to three runs after a couple of weeks and then increase that to four or five runs a few months later, like really build up really slowly because like S said, consistency is key. And if you can be consistent and run three times a week for a year, you're going to be so much fitter and stronger and so much more conditioned to running than running five times a week for a month and then taking two or three months off and then trying it again, you know, for another month and taking a few more months off. Consistency is key and you get that consistency from being patient. The second uh, tip we wanted to talk through was the idea of comparison and that as a runner, we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to anyone. And for me, I think I had a really big turning point a few years ago because Esther and I are competitive athletes and we are competing, we are racing with other people. It's really hard to not focus on the competition and to not focus on where you're getting placed in races. But I remember probably in 2019, I started forgetting or just ignoring the fact that I was racing others and really just started focusing on what I could achieve myself in terms of time versus placings and races. And as soon as I started focusing more on myself and stopped comparing myself to other people that I was competing against, I started performing so much better because I was doing what was right for me and I wasn't focusing on anyone else, whether that's in the race or in the training and the journey to build up towards the race, I was doing everything that my body needed that I knew that my body could tolerate in terms of training and how much I was running. Um, and then I'd turn up to the start line and I'd just be so excited to be there because yes, I'm standing next to my competitors, but at the end of the day, the only competition is myself. And like, that might sound really cliche, but it's so true. Like you are your own competition and if you get caught up in what other people are doing, you lose focus of that. And then you do start making decisions that actually aren't right for you. And, and you'll start turning up to races and almost not wanting to be there and not having fun because you're so worried about what everyone else is going to do. When actually at the end of the day, if you just go there for yourself, you just have the best time because you're there for you. So Comparison in any sport, but definitely running because it's such an individual sport can can be the death of joy when it comes to like actually going out there and having a good time when you're training and racing. I mean, S can touch on the tools that are kind of at our fingertips that encourage comparison, but it's not, it's definitely something that we we wouldn't encourage because it does take away the joy of just like going out there and doing the right thing for you. Mm. Yeah, it's so true. Focusing on your own journey is so so much more empowering than looking at other people's journey because like you touched on Liz, yeah, you if you're comparing yourself constantly to other people and what they're doing, what you're doing would never be enough because there'll probably always be someone doing more than you. Um because everybody is different and some people can handle you can handle 160k weeks. I would 100 percent break something. Like I know that my limit is like probably 110 maximum and even then I'm teetering on the edge of injury in my history. So everybody is different. You can't look at what other people are doing and think worse of yourself. Use them potentially as inspiration and say, that's incredible what she can do. What can I do? What are the things that I can do to make myself um, stronger and able to train better? But again, it's just tuning into your own body and understanding your own body is so powerful. Um, those tools that you were talking about, I think we've both had our own journeys with them and getting to a point where, 
we realize that they're probably not good for us. Um, and you know, the main one is Strava. Like I know for a fact that when I was going through COVID stuff and even previously before that Strava was just not good for my mental health. I was gutted looking at other people's trainings and me going nowhere, not being able to train, but even prior to that, like always running, like I, I would physically do this and we know people do this because it's a psychological thing of knowing that other people are going to see your training and see your paces I would run warm-ups warm downs faster than I should have I would run my easy runs faster than I should because I knew people would be looking at my times or I would stay say stupid comments um in the in the headline or the title describing why I was running slower because I knew people were looking and it's like this fear of judgment and I think Strava just like heightens that because it's all about data. It's like right there in your face. I think probably the only good thing about it is that you can see your progression. Um, personally, if you keep it private, you can see, you know, case over time, but there's so many different tools that you can use for that. So yeah, I just, when I stepped off Strava, I felt so much freer. I felt like I would listen to my body more if I was like, feeling fatigued, I would run 5.30s, 5.45s, whatever it was going to be that day. Whereas previously I was, again, worried about that judgment and fear of other people looking, thinking, um, you know, why is she running that slow? Um, and that would change my behavior, which was actually bad for my running. So yeah, I know some people love it, but actually look at what it does to your mind and analyze how it makes you feel. And then you might feel differently. A hundred percent. And then I think the other tip we would say around comparison is looking at other people and the way they look and then comparing the way you look to them and I think we've spoken about this a lot and hopefully everyone listening knows now that every runner is different we are all built differently we all look incredibly different the way you look has nothing to do with the way that you perform or how many k's you run or whatever the way you look is the way you look and you should embrace that and you know, I'm guilty for comparing myself to other people, especially in the marathon scene. When I first started, when I was about 25, I couldn't help but look at the other marathoners and be like, well, I don't look like them. I'm not this really tall, lean runner. Like I'm probably built smaller and stronger and um, had more muscle to me than they did. And I had, you know, people telling me, like literally I had male running coaches telling me that I looked more like a sprinter than a marathoner. And that didn't help things at all. I remember when I raced in Japan, I raced a marathon over in Japan, I think in 2016. And there was a, I don't know what you call them, a book that kind of has all the detail about the race and the event. And then it breaks down all the elite athletes. And we all had a bio in this book and it um, said where we're from and our kind of, I think there's a bit about our running journey and our stats. And within those stats was our weight. And who cares what we weigh? But all the marathoners were there and I'm racing against a lot of small Japanese women. And I remember some of these women weighing 38, 39 kilos. And here I was in, you know, the 50s, which is also small, you know. Um, but I'm looking at these women being like, well, that's 38 kilos. You know, that's a lot less than me. How is that going to make me feel? Not only how is that going to make me feel as an athlete, but how is that going to make me feel knowing that other people are going to see those stats before the race and kind of like compare us, which was horrific for my mental health and probably wasn't the best thing to do leading into a marathon looking through those statistics. But, you know, now I would firstly push back on why they have those stats in those books. Like it's just irrelevant. And then secondly, I would say, 
don't even open that book if they are in there. Don't even look at them because who cares? Like I was there to run. I had trained my butt off to be there. I was fit and ready to race. Like those were the things I should be focusing on. And yeah, it took me years to kind of get over that comparison of what I looked like compared to other marathoners. And now I'm just like so proud of my body and what it can do and obviously celebrate my body and my menstrual cycle. And um, those are the kind of conversations that I'm having with myself versus like, what do I look like compared to her? Yeah, that's insane. I I can't believe that they had the weight of you in there. It's just, yeah, ridiculous. And it reminded me of that book, um, the Lauren Fleshman book. She talks about she was friends with Paula Radcliffe and always looked up to her. And she um, knew that she was like kind of similar height or that sort of thing. And Paula's weight was on her Wikipedia. And she would compare herself to that weight and like desperately try to get to Paula's weight. And then she met Paula properly one day, like, sorry, this is previously before they became friends. Um, She would look at her weight and compare. And then they became friends and she asked, she told Paula about like what she'd been through, like suffered radius, lost her period, did all these things just sort of like reach that weight and then asked Paula about it. She was like, I've never weighed that in my entire life. No idea where they got that from. Um, So it just shows you as well that it could be completely inaccurate um, it doesn't mean that you're going to train better or perform better. She ended up performing terribly because she went after this number rather than listening to her body and like, yeah, not comparing herself to others. It's such a dangerous slippery slope and like you can fall into some really dark places if you start to, yeah, look at the way other people look, what they weigh and think that you need to do the same thing. Um, which leads really nicely into the next point about how to be a better runner. Uh, fuel well always and this is something that we talk about a lot and it's so important but we have to fuel to be good runners and we've heard so many stories and I'm sure you've heard stories from friends and you may have either suffered redis or or maybe going through it right now or, or recovered from it eating less food does not make you a better runner it makes you a worse runner if you start to restrict your diet you will not see performance benefits from it like the more you run, the more you need to eat. And I think it's just been this thing that's been ingrained in us since we've been young. Um, what we see in the media, like women shouldn't eat that much food. Um, there's diets been thrown around since the day we were born and well before that. But take it from Lids and I, we've both done the opposite and restricted our diet and it never got us anywhere. And in fact, took us, took us away from running, you know, both of us for well over two years. And so many people go through it, but you need to eat food to run well, to recover well, and to be able to perform. And you need to be eating heaps of food. Don't ever hold back um, carbohydrate, protein, fat, all of it. And carbs are literally your best mate and protein and fat, all of them. <laughs> but yeah, the more you run, the more you need to eat. Definitely. Like food is fuel and fuel is fire. Like the fact that I used to be in a mindset that I thought where I restricted my diet and restricted my intake, I was going to get faster. I look back at that and I'm just like appalled at myself for thinking that because it's so blatantly obvious, the more energy we have in our bodies, the more we're going to be able to execute 
our training or whatever output we want. Like it might be performance in your job. It might be like using your brain more and like doing a lot more work, or it might be actual physical movement. The more energy we have, the more we're going to be able to do. And the more we're going to be able to do going back to that first point, the more consistent in our training we can be, then the more fitter and faster we're going to be. So we can't run off oxygen. Like it's impossible and food is one of next to sleep I would say food is one of our greatest performance enhancers that we have at our fingertips that is going to make us better athletes and without it we're sacrificing not only our performance we're sacrificing our health as well so food is essential as an athlete and is going to make you a better runner so just staying on top of that and yeah so for me in my early 20s I went on a keto diet. I cut out carbohydrates for at least six months and I didn't touch a carbohydrate because I thought it was going to make me smaller and leaner and thought that was kind of my pathway to get faster, which is completely wrong. And I not only lost my menstrual cycle and became went into a low energy availability state and suffered from reds, I ended up not being able to run at all. Like I ended up having to take months and months of training off because I just, my body was so burnt out. And as I said, there's all these fad diets that get thrown around and a lot of them, most of them are not built for females and are not built for females who move their bodies. They're built for overweight men. Um, I'll just jump in here that just on your point, Lids, there's actually research that's come out um, that looks at women training in two different groups, women training who have um, a keto diet, so no carb or very limited carbs, and then a woman um, training group who has like a balanced diet, um, including high levels of carbohydrate. Um, same amount of calories in both groups groups of women, but the keto diet, many of the women end up losing their menstrual cycle or um, begin to stop ovulating. And the carbohydrate group continue to ovulate um, and keep their menstrual cycle. So what that says is like, even regardless of calorie intake, carbohydrates are like extremely essential for ovulation. So like if you want to keep your menstrual cycle and you want to be able to train well, you have to have carbohydrate. Um, So like getting that idea of keto out of your mind, like carbs are not bad. They've been demonized for years, but like they are so important for training. Yeah. So carbs are essential for our female hormones and our female hormones are one of the amazing tools that help us get stronger. And, you know, if we can get stronger, we can get fitter and faster. So it all is intertwined. The fourth point we want to make is about your training specifically and knowing that easy runs actually make us faster. And I think a lot of us get caught up in how easy should our easy runs be or running our easy runs too fast, but actually your easy runs should be so easy and at such a comfortable pace because if you can do your easy runs easy and allow the body to recover properly, it just means that you can push harder on your hard days and Esther and I always talk about making your hard days really hard, but the only way you can do that is if you do take your easy days really easy. Um, If you continue to push hard on every day, you will eventually burn out or you'll plateau and then you'll start declining in your fitness. You know, when it comes to running training, it's all about periodization and that's periodization across a training block towards a potential race and that's periodization across a month. And we really intertwine that into the menstrual cycle. And then there's periodization in a week. And when we look at that periodization in a week, it's like, when are you peaking and when are you pulling it back? And so the most 
important part of that periodization is giving yourself recovery and recovery is key. And the only way to do that, if you are someone that runs five, six, seven days a week and you have easy days scheduled in your training program, those runs should be so slow. I know for me, I struggled to kind of get my head around running slow because it feels like potentially you're going backwards, but it's not the case at all. I think I used to do my easy runs around like, you know, 4.30, 4.45, thinking that was slow. Um, and then once I started running my easy runs more around like 5.15s and 5.30s, for me, I know that still may be fast, but for me, that's a lot slower than say my race pace. It's actually allowed me to push harder on those hard days and actually reach those intensities that I probably wouldn't be able to reach if I hadn't taken those recovery runs really slow. So again, it's linked into that comparison thing. Like if you're posting your easy runs on Strava and you're embarrassed by those paces, like don't be because you should be proud of those slow paces because it means that you can run faster and harder on those hard days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just the education piece, isn't it? And like, it's actually cool to run slow a lot of the time and that's how you're going to get better. It's not cool to push yourself every run because you will hundred percent burn out. Like Lid said, and you'll go backwards. I remember talking to one of the uh, like elite New Zealand runners. She's 800 meter champion. She like plateaued a fair bit in her times. And then she got a talking to from her coach that she had to slow down her easy runs. And then she did that for a little while and she just got so much faster. And she was like, she put that all down to taking her easy runs easy. Like that's the only thing in her training that changed. So take it from us. Like it should be like at least 70 to 80% of your training week should be easy running. And then the other 20 can be hard, but it's like, yeah, you don't get better at running by running hard all the time. It's the same. It, it makes sense for everything, right? Like you can't just go smash yourself all the time and think that you're actually going to get better because your body's just run down. There's nothing left to to actually get better and there's no energy left to to push yourself when it comes down to the races. You don't have that next gear because you're so fatigued. Um, so yeah, recovery is like super important. I always say to like the athletes I work with, like you should be able to hold a conversation easily the whole run and it should be like you're running along you could finish the run obviously you might have tired legs from the day before because you may have done a hard session but you should feel like you could easily continue running or at least continue that conversation um the entire run so that's a nice way to look at it and you shouldn't make yourself have an easy pace as well I think that's really important a lot of my athletes are like well what pace should I run and I'm like don't even look at it like run whatever feels really easy. And if that ends up being six minute pace, perfect. If that ends up being five thirties, perfect. As long as it's like feeling super, super easy. And like you could hold those conversations, then that's like the perfect point. Um, I think I want to just add in this part as well, like strength training and the benefits of that. I think I'm sneaking this one into the fourth point, but I think strength training is like so important if you want to be a good runner helps prevent injury you I think you grow like little capillaries more capillaries into the muscle so you have more ability to get oxygen into the muscle so like you literally can fuel those muscles more to work harder for longer so like running at a faster pace you'll be able to hold it for longer you will hopefully reduce your injury risk all of those things are going to make you a better runner and help you stay consistent so like yes just want to sneak that one in there as well two times a week is is perfect and if you can do three that's great 
Yeah, love it. Strength training and easy running keys to uh, getting better as a runner. And then the last one we want to chat about, and this is for those people who do menstruate, is track your menstrual cycle. And obviously this is everything we're about at Femi is understanding your body and learning what's going on internally so that when you're preparing a training program or you're setting goals or you're even looking at your work schedule and how you're approaching your work, like tracking your menstrual cycle is one of the most amazing things you can do to make sure that you're setting realistic expectations or you're setting up a journey that is actually correct for you, built around where your body is at, where your hormones are at and how your menstrual cycle is working. And so Esther and I, you know, have been tracking our menstrual cycles for many years now, I think maybe four, five, six years. Uh, and it's been honestly one of the most incredible tools and things that I've done for myself to learn about my body. And over that time, by tracking my cycle and then adapting my training to my cycle, it's just allowed me to be so much more understanding of what my body actually needs. And then I'm actually, you know, executing training that is appropriate for where my female physiology is at. So we've talked a lot about this, but in my follicular phase, I feel really good, especially around my menstrual cycle and the week after. And that's where I'm going to be pushing the intensity of my training. And then going into my luteal phase, I'll be pulling my training back. But without tracking my menstrual cycle and knowing what's going on, I would never be able to do that. And then I'd be throwing myself into the deep end of potential training sessions that I'm not in a physical state to get through. And then I can't execute the training. And then I lose confidence in myself and doubt where I'm at in my fitness. But by tracking your cycle, I'm like, that's cool. I, I can't do that training tomorrow because I'm at a particular phase of my cycle, I'm not going to do that training. Um, so I'll do something that's more appropriate from where I'm at and I'll gain that progress in my training, but also in my confidence because I'm actually able to execute it. So honestly, track your menstrual cycle if you have not started. That is one thing as a female runner, if you have a cycle, you should be doing to improve your performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely so powerful in seeing how you are affected yourself because everyone's affected differently. I know Liz and I, Liz, you're more affected in week three, right? And I'm more affected in week four. So Liz more when she has high progesterone levels and me more when they drop away. I'm quite affected by that. So like even that you see just between two women, it's so different. And by tracking your cycle, you're able to actually see how affected you are and then adapt your training to it. I think what's important to know is that like understanding your how you're affected you can also take steps to like mitigate how you're affected and then also aligning your training to it allows you to ride those different highs and lows and um make sure you're not digging yourself a hole in training because that's that's something that I found in the luteal phase the second half of my cycle if I train the same as I do in the follicular phase I get to the next follicular phase really tired rather than if I just pulled back a bit in the luteal phase reduce the intensity slightly, I'm able to, you know, ride that slightly lower energy level. And then when I'm high level, high energy level again, I'm ready to push again. So it's kind of similar to like a recovery jog, right? It's like you're almost taking this moment to give your body the time it needs to recover so that you can go hard again. And I'm not saying you can't perform well in the luteal phase, but it's more actually appropriately training so you can adapt well and move on to the next part of your training um, and the next part of your cycle. So it's like so powerful in that sense. And then 
also by tracking your cycle, yeah, you can see those symptoms, see those patterns, and you can actually take action with your nutrition as well. So lucky for you listening, we're going to have an amazing guest next week who will talk in depth about nutrition around the menstrual cycle and how you can address how you feel with nutrition strategies. So listen to this one and then listen to that one and you'll have like a great recipe um, alongside what you already know. So yeah, tracking your cycle is so powerful and really helps with training and recovery. Yeah, it's all linked into that conversation around periodizing your training, right? Like periodize your training around your period and your performance, um, I think is the best way for you to get the most out of yourself. And then I think the last one, just to wrap up, I know we've covered our five tips, but just before we go, I wanted to say like, make sure you understand your reasons for why you run. I think it kind of links back to what I was saying right at the start. We all run for different reasons, but I think if you can understand why you run, it allows you to kind of approach your journey in running in a really healthy way. I know there's a lot of people out there who get into running because they want to maybe lose weight or look a particular way and that's their reason to run, but that's not a healthy reason to approach the sport and it's not sustainable at all. And so if you can flip that narrative into like wanting to get into running because I want to improve my mental health or I want to improve my confidence in myself or potentially I want to see what my physical body is capable of, like that's awesome. But if you approach running in a way that is built around your aesthetics and something that you don't really, you know, have a lot of control over, then you're never going to build a really healthy relationship with the sport. And as coaches, especially at Femi, our end goal is for people to love running and to have it in their lives forever and to gain the benefits of what running can do for you mentally and physically. But when it comes to like approaching the sport in, in a way that's not sustainable, that's where we're like, we want to step in and be like, no, like let's change that thought pattern that's going on in your head so that you can can get the most out of what this amazing sport can do for you. So true. All right. Well, that's it from us today. Um, hopefully you've enjoyed this conversation. If you do want to provide us any feedback or you have any questions, you can get at us on Instagram at femi.co or head to our website, femi.co. Those are both linked in our show notes. But as Est mentioned, we have an incredible guest for next week. So come back and have a listen with that. And in the meantime, have an incredible week. Thank you.